0: And after the children's lesson, uh, we'll have another song. Sure there's going to be so many children here, but I'm blessed. Your church is blessed with a lot of children, and that is a blessing. Someday, you never know, one of you could be a preacher. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, you are the future church. How many of you got a piece of candy last night? Yeah. You did. Some of you weren't here. Okay. Well, Hi. ah? Okay, you got a piece of candy, okay. Did you get two of them? (laughs) Some of you got two, and that's it? Okay, you got two lollipops, all right, good. Well, Rosie is your candy lady this week, okay? So after the service, you see Rosie, and I'm going to make her swim a little bit. Last night, one of you told her that you don't want candy, you want gum, (laughs) so she has some gum. Do you know what else? She has candy, too. So you can have one of each. She might have to go to the car and get more. Huh? We'll make her go get more candy this week. How'd that work? Very good. Well, this evening, for a children's lesson, I'd like to tell you, I'd like to read you a story. All right? But I need you to help me. I need you to help me. This is a story of a tree. All right, and this tree, his name is Monarch, and the reason they named him Monarch is because he's big and he's strong, all right, this is the big strong tree, and so tonight when I read this story, okay, you guys were probably all taught that when you go to church you probably to put to sit still and be quiet, right? Well, in this children's meeting, when I say the name Monarch, I need you guys as loud as you can, okay? I need you guys to go, ooh. Can you do that? I read this story. You hear me say the name Monarch, you go, ooh. Okay, can you do that with me? Let's try it. Ooh. Real nice and loud, okay? As I read the story and you hear the name Monarch. All right, here we go. Growing Towards God, this story is titled. This is how it goes. Close to the shore of a beautiful lake, away back in the mountain of Maine, there grew a very wonderful pine tree. Its branches reached far and wide as if trying to drink in more and more of the clear air and bright sunshine. Its tops reached up into the sky as if trying to see what was above the fleecy clouds that floated above it. Its trunk was straight and strong as it had had need to be when the cold north winds of winter blew down that lake. That great pine tree was much loved by the people who summered in the cottage nearby and they had named it Monarch. A little louder, I know you can do better. And one day, monarch, <coughs> there you go, felt someone digging at its roots and looking down, it saw a little spruce tree being planted there. And then, monarch, <coughs> that great pine tree rustled all of its branches for very great joy and had been lonely living alone for so many years, but now there would be someone to talk and someone to help it to grow. "'That little spruce tree heard the rustling hence. "'When its roots were set, it began to look about to see who its neighbor might be. "'Then it discovered monarch, that giant pine tree. "'Oh, oh,' said the little tree, "'what a big, big tree you are. "'How I should like, how I should like to be as tall as that pine tree.'" How much it must see away up there in the sky, and I'm glad that I am planted close to such a wonderful tree. Perhaps I can grow like Monarch if I try to be like him. That very night, when all was still, that little tree heard a whisper stealing down on the soft night wind, and the voice said, Little tree, little tree, yes, Mr. Monarch, said, the spruce tree i am listening to you little spruce tree little spruce tree said the pine tree i am glad that you have come to live near me you're a pretty little tree can i help you in any way said the big pine tree yes indeed you can answered that spruce tree i have been looking at you for a very so, for ever so long and what a wonderful tree you are tell me please how to grow how to be as tall and straight and strong as you. That is not a hard thing to tell, but it is a very hard thing to do, said monarch. Ooh. If you want to grow tall and straight and strong, you must keep looking upward every day and let nothing bend or break you. You must desire with all of your might to become one of the best trees and then you must grow and grow and grow. "'That I will do,' said the spruce tree. "'I will keep close to you, "'and every day I will try to grow to be just like you, "'for I want to be tall and straight, "'and I want to be strong.' "'The days passed by, and every night "'that little spruce looked carefully "'to see if her trunk were just as straight "'as the trunk of that great pine tree monarch.'" "'Yes, and since she had a perfect tree to copy,' She grew very straight and strong and when the winter came and the winds from the north whistled through the spruce tree, Monarch was just in front of her and saved her from the force of the wind. Then at night when all was still again and the wind had gone to rest, that big friend Monarch would whisper, that was a hard breeze, little one, but it is over now and you have gained some strength by fighting it. Now look up and straighten up so that all of the bend may be taken out of you. Measure your trunk by mine if you'd like. The little tree would try its best and would thank the Heavenly Father for his great friend and helper called Monarch. And finally, after many, many years, the little tree had grown so tall that her top just reached the lower branches of the great pine tree, the Monarch. And how proud she was as some of her needles actually touched those of that great giant tree. She nestled close to the big limb and whispered, "'Oh, dear pine tree, I have so loved to see you away up here, "'but now that I can touch you and feel your big strong arms, "'I don't care whether I grow anymore or not.'" "'Tut, tut, little friend of mine,' answered the monarch thoughtfully." If I had stayed as small as you are now, you would never have been proud to have lived by me and to have been called my friend. And surely no one would ever have given you the beautiful name Monarch that the people in the cottage use when they speak of me. Indeed, you must not stop growing. I can see much farther than you can. I can breathe much better as I grow higher up the... And then, too, I am near to the great and loving Father when I am doing my best to grow. But you get more of the wind and the cold up there, said that spruce tree. And down here I am sheltered by you. That may be, answered monarch, but you cannot give shelter or be an example if you're content to stay down there. Come up, little child, come up. So the little spruce took courage, And it pushed ahead until her branches were mingled with those of the pine. And they could talk together of the beautiful things that they saw around the mountain lake. And then to her surprise, she found that monarch. That great tree was still growing too. And still making sure that she too did not bend. Aren't you ever going to stop growing, asked the spruce. Surely you are big enough now, but monarch. Made answer, I shall never be big enough, no matter how high I grow to be. I have heard of pine trees that are much taller and larger than I, as I must keep on growing. How could I be an example for you if I stop reaching up? I must grow for your sake, if for no other reason. And then the spruce loved her old friend all the more. And in her heart, she resolved to try doubly hard to keep growing every day and let nothing bend or break her. And one day, very early in the spring, when the snow was just leaving the ground, the spruce tree was looking down and thinking of the days when she had been tiny, a tiny tree. And living near to the, gro- and living near to the ground, and suddenly she saw a seedling balsam nestling close to her trunk. And she heard the balsam say to the pink arbutus blossom on the ground, Do you see that big, big spruce tree away up there? Someday... I'm going to be tall, and I'm going to be straight and strong like that spruce tree. Is that what you want to do? You want to be big and tall and strong? You just watch me grow until my top touches those first branches. Well, well, said the spruce tree. Here I am pushing ahead to be like that pine, and the balsam is trying to be like me. And I must grow to be very straight and strong if I am to be an example to that little tree. I cannot stop growing For the balsam will be watching me. The old pine tree told the truth. I too am an an example. And so the pine helped the spruce and sheltered from the blasts of winter. The spruce helped the balsam and kept the great drifts of snow from breaking it down. And the balsam spread its tiny branches over the tender albatross plant and kept them warm so that the children might have the joy of finding blossoms in the springtime. Shh. And then those who lived in the cottage, they looked from their window and out upon the four friends, the pine, the spruce, the balsam, and the arbutus. And as they learned from them blessings of strength, of beauty, courage, and helpfulness, and of striving to be big and strong. We too, each one of us, we too, they said, must look upward every day and let nothing bend nor break us we too must measure our growth by one who is greater and stronger than me. See, this story is about a tree that was looking to another tree. And it realized that it's an example to someone else that it's following. So to someone else that's following it. And you know what? It's very important for each one of you children to remember that. And all of us, moms and dads here, We are an example. They're an example to you, but you know what? Someday somebody's going to look to you. And so the moral of the story is to be as good of a person as you can, to be a good example for those that follow you. Okay, remember that. Someone follows you watching the things that you do. Shall we pray? You want to pray? Let's close our eyes and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another opportunity tonight to be together. I pray that you would bless each one of these children in a special way. Gotta pray that as they grow up, they would be godly examples for the next ones to follow them. And Lord, not only these children, but to each one of us adults too, that we would be a good example for the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go back to your parents. Don't forget your candy after the service, okay? Okay, I'll ask for another song at this time, Demetrius. Thank you for the treat, Uh, we received the basket after the service last night, Uh, we enjoyed that very much on the way home last night, all kinds of good little treats and in case you're wondering I parked at the same spot, (laughs) (laughs) thought maybe it might duplicate, (laughs) yeah. I have one of my children with me. One of our girls with us tonight. The other four uh, went. We have at our church. We have what we call a children's ministry, and that goes every week, every Thursday night. And so they, have, uh, my second oldest, Trista, she uh, she helps teach there. And I think Shane and Teresa, are you still involved with that children's ministry? So thank you for that. So they chose to go to that this evening. So, for a message tonight, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. In your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This is uh, what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I'd like to just read one verse here, which will you will immediately know where I'm going with the message here this evening. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, one verse. The Beatitudes, verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So tonight I'd like to try to unpack that word meek. And I'm wondering tonight as you sit here, you ask yourself the question, am I a meek person? Are you a meek person? And then you don't need to hold your finger there, but just turn with me back to Galatians chapter 5 yet. I'd like to read a couple of verses here. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Here we have what we known as the fruits of the Spirit in this passage of Scripture. Galatians chapter five, starting at verse sixteen, reads like this This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. And so that's what we want to try to do. That's our aim as as believers. Our our aim is to walk in the spirit and not and die to our flesh, right? That that's our goal. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. How well we know that this war this, that's going on, our flesh just keeps wanting to have its own way, and we must continue to die to that. So, so that you cannot do the things that you would. <coughs> and verse 18 says But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23 says, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And so this evening I would like to attempt to share a message with you on the subject of meekness. And so if I had to give this, this, this message a title tonight, I believe I would call it meekness a tamed temper a tamed temper is really what I think about when I think about this subject of meekness come across this story as I was preparing for this message it's titled like this it says hammering nails in the fence it says there once was a little girl with a bad temper Her mother gave her a bag of nails and told her that every time she lost her temper, she must hammer a nail into the back of the fence. And the first day, the girl drove 37 nails into the fence. Wow, 37 nails. And over the next few weeks, as she learned to control her anger, the number of nails hammered daily gradually began to dwindle. And she discovered it was easier to hold her temper than to drive nails into the fence. And finally the day came when the girl did not lose her temper at all. She told her mother about her success. And the mother suggested that she could now pull out one nail for each day that she was able to hold her temper. I think I probably would have lost my temper again, don't you think? She could remove one nail every day that she didn't lose her temper. The days passed, and the young girl was finally able to tell her mother that all the nails were now gone. Her mother took her by the hand and led her to the fence. She said, you have done well, my girl. But just take a look at the holes in that fence. The fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar, just like the nails did in that fence. I think we could probably just stop right there tonight and just ponder that little story. How often do we lose our cool, whether it's to our spouse, to our children? And maybe it would be more fitting to ask our spouse or our children if we are a meek person. It reminded me of a time when I was soon after, well, I don't know, Shana, my oldest daughter here, she's, she just turned 22. She's getting married in February. Yeah, I just had to say that, right? <laughs> and uh, I don't remember, she was five or six years old. And we just purchased a new vehicle. That wasn't brand new, but for us it was new. We bought a Suburban. I still have the Suburban. It's not our primary vehicle, we use it as our secondary vehicle. But soon after we got it, we had it parked in the garage. And Shane, and I, I don't remember what she was doing, but we were in the garage. And beside the garage, I had a step ladder, a six foot step ladder hanging up. And somehow, she bumped the stepladder, and it fell over, and it hit the new Suburban. And uh, that front fender on the passenger side still has a mark (laughs) on the fender. Needless to say, I made a mistake because it struck a chord within me. And I, it's the way it came out. There was some anger, some bitterness there. And immediately I could see the hurt and the pain in her eyes. It It was a mistake. She hadn't tried it. And I made a mistake by the way I responded. And I needed to go back. And I needed to apologize and make it right, which I did. But our temper sometimes, are, we have a short fuse, and we just need to be careful. Meekness has to do largely with our attitudes, an attitude that does not insist on getting its own way or insist in his or her own rights, but rather submitting to God in his way as good, that's meekness. Meekness has to do largely with our attitudes, an attitude that has that does not insist on getting his or her own way. And I didn't I didn't know that my dad's gonna be here tonight, but um my dad taught me a lesson. He probably doesn't know how much it meant to me. I am a hunter. I like to hunt. And I was probably 14 or 15 years old. We used to hunt out in this town called Somerset County. Or we used to hunt out in Somerset County. And the first morning of rifle season, my dad and I went down across the road and we sat down on a ridge. I sat on a stump and my dad just sat down for me. And we sat there and it didn't go real long and soon kaboom. My dad shot. And I was sitting there on this stump not real long and soon here comes some deer running and so I, sure enough, the third one was a buck and I put my gun up and I managed to shoot a deer. So I I think it was the first buck I ever shot. So I was happy as a lark and I went down, you know, I I, I was there with my deer and I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to walk down and And see what, uh, you know, see where my dad is and see what he's shooting at. And sure enough, here he had this nice buck laying there. Wow. We both had a deer. This was exciting. And as we stood there, he got his knife out and he was going to start tagging this deer. And here comes a hunter up the ridge from down below. And here he had a blood trail. He says he shot it down in the bottom, and it came running up the hill where Dad was standing, and he shot it, not knowing that anything was even wrong with it. And the thing it was a, a perfect shot, and the thing fell over and there it laid, not even, under, not even realizing that somebody else shot at this deer. And so this hunter came up, and he decided that this was his deer. And I don't know how you would handle or how I would have handled that situation. But my dad left him have the deer. He said he believes there's bigger ones out there. And I, you know, it just, it, I remembered that. Still remember it today. That was a lesson for me. To me, that was someone that was not insisting, insisting on having his own way. So this evening as we think about meekness, I believe that meekness is a tame temper. As I think about this word meekness, I believe it's sort of an umbrella word. There's a lot of things that could fall under this category as we think about meekness tonight. The Greek word for, for meek is the word praeus. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correct but it was used to define a horse that is trained for battle. Wild wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broken for riding. Some were used to pull wagons. Some of the horses were raced, but the best of the horses were trained for warfare. They retained their fierce spirit, their courage, and their power, but they were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's legs they could gallop into battle at 35 miles per hour 35 miles per hour and come to a sliding stop at just one word they were not frightened by arrows spears and torches and torches at this point the at this point the horse was said to be, have been meek to be meek meant to be taken from a state of wild rebellion and made completely loyal to and depended upon the master. Tonight, as we think about meekness, meekness means to be taken from a, state, uh, from a state of wild rebellion and made completely loyal to and depended upon the master. And this evening, I suggest that's the same way with us. See, we're not born as a meek person. We need to commit ourselves. We walk in the spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to to depend upon the Master. And so this evening, as we think about this subject of meekness, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about meekness. Think of someone, or think of meekness. What what comes to your mind? Maybe it's someone that's soft-spoken. Maybe it's someone that is... Is easily pushed over? Is that someone that's a a pushover? Someone that has no backbone? Someone that is weak? Is that what you think about when you think about this, of a meek person? Tonight, as you think about meekness, I'd venture to say, but probably the person that had the most impact in your life the person that had the most impact in your life in a positive way was probably a meek person. Was probably a meek person. To be meek is to have a strong but tender and humble life. Someone that is strong but at the same time possesses a teachable spirit. In church family this evening, I think it's so important. There's so many people in the world today that don't have a teachable spirit. I think it's important for each one of us that there's something within us that wants to learn and grow, to have a teachable spirit. This evening, I suggest to you that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness, bowing or spineless. It is someone who is strong, but at the same time, he is humble and tender. It is the ability to take and to conquer. And at the same time, to be able to control himself. And sometimes it helps me to look at the opposite of a word. And so this evening, I believe the opposite of meekness is someone that is arrogant. Someone that is prideful. Someone that is unable to harness his anger. You know this evening, you think about anger. Maybe you've heard this said before, but I believe that anger, well, anger is just one letter short of spelling the word danger. You ever think about that? The word anger is just one letter short of spelling the word danger. So this evening I wonder, do I, do you have control of your emotions or do your emotions have control of you? Jesus is described in Revelation chapter five as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And yet in Isaiah 53, he is titled as a lamb that was brought to the slaughter and as, sheep, as, a, and as a sheep before her shearer is dumb. And yet he opened not his mouth. Yes, this evening, meekness is a balance between the boldness of, the, of a lion and the gentleness of a sheep. I think about the life of Jesus. He was a powerful man. But at the same time, he was meek. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. And lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was a powerful yet a meek person. I also think of Moses. You think of the scripture, go back to the Old Testament, you think of the man Moses. I often think of Moses as a powerful leader that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And yet Moses, the Bible tells us, in Numbers chapter 12 I believe it's the third verse the Bible would tell us that Moses was one of the meekest men that ever lived on the face of the Earth, on the face of the Earth. Moses was a meek man. As I think about the life of Moses, he also made mistakes. And we know how the children of Israel, when they came out into the wilderness and there they wandered. And how they murmured and complained and they find no water. And God asked Moses to go and hit the rock. Or speak to the rock, was it, I believe, with his rod. or I think he was supposed to speak to the rock. And Moses became upset with the people. Maybe I'll just turn here just for a few verses. You don't need to turn with me, but in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, we read these words of Moses. And Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, "Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the waters came abundantly. And the congregation drank and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I had given you. As you know, so I think about that account, Moses forfeited his privilege to go to the promised land because he, he lashed out in anger. Here now, you rebels, must we fetch water out of this rock? And he smote the rock. He forfeited his privilege to go to the promised land. To me, it seems like a high price to pay. This evening, we realize that sin does have consequences. You and I are not free to choose those consequences. That's up to God. It seemed like a, a steep price to pay. But Moses made a mistake. And so do you and I. We make mistakes. But that's why we need the grace of God. Sometimes we need to just go and apologize and ask for forgiveness, don't we? And so this evening, as I think about this subject of meekness, what are the characteristics of a meek person? What are the characteristics of a meek person? So I have four things that I'd like to give you here tonight as we think about a meek person. Number one, I believe a person that is meek is someone that is controlled and disciplined. Secondly, I believe it's someone that forgives. Thirdly, I believe a meek person is someone who is a quiet person. And fourthly, a meek person is someone that has a humble spirit. So the person that is, someone that is a meek person is someone that is controlled and disciplined. Someone that their urges, their passions, their tongue, their behaviors, and even the things they watch, I believe they should be under control. Someone that is meek is disciplined and under control. The Holy Spirit is working in and through your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 that we read, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. Someone that's controlled and disciplined. Romans 6.12, it says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Not allowing sin to have dominion in your life. And church family tonight, Jesus Christ... Gives us the power to live a victorious Christian life. We have the power to live a victorious Christian life, not obeying the lusts of our flesh. First Corinthians chapter six, the twelfth verse says, "All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient." It means not all things are profitable. Yes, all things are lawful for me. The apostle Paul says, but not everything's profitable for me. All things are lawful, but he says, I will not be brought under the power of any. Just as I think about a meek person tonight, it's someone who I believe is controlled and disciplined. In 1 Corinthians 9, the 27th verse says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be be a castaway. The Apostle Paul says he brings his body into subjection. That's being disciplined and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And James 3, verse 2 says, for, if, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man enabled to bridle his whole Offend not in word. If we were able to control our tongue, our speech, the same is a perfect man. Matthew Henry, he uses a Latin term. I believe it's in his book, The Quest for Meekness and Quietness of Spirit. He uses this Latin term called, if it's correct, he says it's mansuetos. He uses this Latin term mansuetos to describe the meaning of meekness. It is the same word that is used to describe the taming Or the breaking of a wild animal. And in Jeremiah chapter 2. God referred to the children of Israel. Being like that of a wild donkey. You can search it out. It's in there. God refers to the children of Israel. Being like that of a wild donkey. Following their own path. Serving other gods. And they were going their own way. And Matthew Henry he makes this conclusion. Man's corrupt nature has made him as an untamed donkey, but when the grace of meekness gets dominion in the soul, it alters the temper and it submits the soul to management. It alters the temper and it submits the soul to management. Meekness has to do with the taming of the temper. So tonight you think about a horse that hasn't yet been tamed or a horse that hasn't yet been broken. That horse, it kicks, it bucks. Whenever, some, whenever something gets close to it, it, res, it resists the bit in its mouth. It resists. But when the horse is tamed or when it is broken, it becomes of value and something that is of worth. And this evening, isn't it the same way with us? When we get bumped, are we tempted to lash out to react? Or are we someone that has been broken by the Holy Spirit, not allowing our anger to get the best of us, lashing out at others? By nature, I believe we are all like an unbroken horse. We too tend to resist the hand of God in our lives and, of, and how often do we kick against the pricks? We tend to retaliate. We tend, we, we tend to retaliate and lash out when things don't go our way. By nature, it's our natural tendency. We are not born into this world as a meek person. Without meekness, we tend to have an internal conflict of our soul. And too often it manifests itself in short tempers, anger, bitterness, Resentment and all kinds of frustrations. Where meekness, on the other hand, is a tamed temper. Meekness calms the passions of a heart. It sits as a moderator of the soul, quietly giving check to its distempered motions. Meekness, a tamed temper. What is my response when I am mistreated? or when I don't get my own way? Are we able to keep our emotions in check? Has my temper been tamed by the Holy Spirit? Yes, this evening a meek person is someone that is controlled and disciplined, I believe, in all areas of life. Just as a horse's will needs to be broken, my will and your will needs to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this evening I ask myself and I ask yourself, am I in control of my emotions or are my emotions in control of me? Am I controlled and disciplined in such a way? Secondly, this evening, as I think about this subject of meekness, a meek person is someone that forgives a meek person is someone that doesn't seek to get revenge. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And In Romans chapter 12 verses 19 to 21, we read these verses. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, or in so, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. A meek person is someone who forgives, someone that does not seek revenge. I'd like to look at a couple of verses I always like to turn back to the Old Testament. We have all kinds of characters. In Genesis chapter 45, here again, you don't need to turn to these verses. But read these verses. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, calls every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard him. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doeth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And this evening, you know the story of Joseph. You know all the things that Joseph went through, how his brothers mistreated him, how they sold him as a slave. They forgot him when he was in prison. They lied to their father about Joseph. They made his father believe a lie that he was killed by a lion. Joseph went through a lot. He was mistreated in a lot of ways. And I believe here... In Genesis chapter 45, as his brothers came back to him, God went before Joseph, and God was, had a plan. And you know how Joseph kept rising to the top, and he eventually became a leader of the land. And finally his brothers came to him. Remember that dream he had of them bowing down to him? And finally here comes his brothers. When they finally recognized that this was Joseph, I believe within their heart they figured probably here Joseph is going to take his opportunity and seek revenge. Don't you think? How tempting would have had would have it been for you and I to be in Joseph's feet at that mo- at, at, in his position at that moment? I don't know how many years it was, but for so many years his brothers missed, he held this within himself. And here they are. He could have said, "I told you so, you'd be back." And I believe Joseph's brothers probably figured, here we go. He's going opp- he's going to seize the opportunity to take revenge. In the New Testament, Jesus calls us to live above the letter of the, of the old law. When we are wrong, we are not to seek revenge, but rather we are to allow ourselves to be taken advantage of, showing love to those who mistreat us. Brothers and sisters, that's what, Moses, that's what Joseph did. He allowed others to take advantage of him, and he loved those who mistreated him. It is said that when someone seeks revenge, they are not just trying to get even, but they are actually trying to get ahead. To have them pay for what was done, maybe even just plus a little bit more, for us to have the upper hand. And I believe that's probably more true than what we would like to admit. You see, we like, to, we like to, for people to pay for the mistakes or for what they have done wrong, Right? We want to make sure it is sobering to realize that God will not forgive us. you and I if we, are, if we refuse to forgive others. It is said those who refuse to forgive it is said, those who refuse to forgive destroy that very bridge over two they must cross. Forgiveness means choosing to free the wrongdoer. It means to give up or demand my demand for compensation. Forgiveness means letting go of all of our grudges, however justified they might feel, even though the memory of that hurt may never be erased. It means releasing our hurts to God, choosing not to keep a list of wrongdoing. We must choose not to be easily offended. Brothers and sisters, tonight forgiveness is, is probably the easiest if we do it like right away. Just let it go. Give it to God. Yes, this evening, someone that is meek is someone that forgives. Understanding that everything that comes into my life, everything that comes into my life, even the cruelty of others, is part of God's plan to mold and to shape my life for his honor and for his glory. You remember Joseph's words when he revealed himself to his brothers? Joseph said, come near to me. You meant it for evil. But God, he meant it for good. And brothers and sisters, tonight it's tough. Tonight, every one of us has probably been mistreated. We've all, go, we've all gone through things in life. I've been mistreated. So have you. God meant it for good. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. This evening I suggest that a meek person is someone who forgives. Maybe tonight there's someone on your mind, someone that maybe has mistreated you. You realize that you need to let it go. Give it to God. Let go of that desire to seek revenge. Even though the hurt lingers on, that hurt may never go away. But I believe God can use that situation in your life and mine. He can use it to mold us, to shape us, to become the kinds of people that he wants us to be. I think it's important to remember that hurt doesn't always go away. And sometimes it lingers. But we need to let it go and give it to God. A meek person is someone who forgives not someone who seeks revenge. Thirdly, this evening, as I think about someone that is meek, a meek person is a quiet person. First Timothy 2, says pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I think to be quiet has the idea of living a tranquil life. Causing no disturbance to others. Causing no disturbance to others. Living a quiet and a peaceable life. I don't know how many of you are, are aware of this. I did install floor covering for about 15 years. I actually worked for Ray some years ago. I worked for Weaver's Carpet. And I got into a lot of houses in Lebanon. We'd often go to the city there in Lebanon. And one day I was installing floor covering in a house in in the city of Lebanon, and it was like a row house. And I believe I was putting carpet on the steps, and I didn't realize it was in the morning. And I was, here, and you know, when you put carpet, you, you're making some noise, and it just so happened that the tenant on the other side of that wall was apparently someone that worked night shift. And that person was trying to sleep, and I was making noise in the neighbor's house. I think I was causing a disturbance to my neighbor. He got that upset. He began pounding on the wall, or the... the uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, not the spackling, but the plaster was flying, actually flying off the wall. The neighbor actually called the cops. But I was causing a disturbance. I wasn't trying it, but I was actually causing a disturbance. A meek person is someone who doesn't cause a disturbance, doesn't intentionally cause disturbance to his neighbor. First Thessalonians chapter 4, the 11th verse says, Study to be quiet. And to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Harold Morton says that according to these verses, real beauty is internal. It's hidden and not necessarily visible to the eye. It is to be something on the inside and not paraded on the outside. It is to be something of the heart, to be rooted at the core of one's being. That's where true beauty really lies. It's within us. A Christian woman is not to be loud and boisterous, but is to manifest a meek and quiet spirit. And I think, church family, we should be spending more time on inner beauty than on outer beauty. To have a meek and quiet spirit is to be free from harshness, is to be free from sternness and violence. Someone that does not, someone that does not use excessive words It means to restrain our speech. To restrain our speech. I believe it is a quality that is precious in the sight of God. Meekness. It is a tremendous charm that cannot be bought at a beauty shop. Neither is it something that can be worn or something that can be put on. A meek person. It's like a beautiful budding flower growing up within each one of us as an individual. A meek person is a quiet person. I believe both before God and before man. Quietly surrendering our will to God's will. Acknowledging our needs to him without pump or show. Psalm 40 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted on the earth. I believe our world knows very little about being still before an almighty God. Someone that walks quietly before men causing no disturbance to others. Remember when I was first married, we lived in a house and uh, we first lived in, in Newmanstown. We lived in a small development. We had very close neighbors. We lived in a cul-de-sac. And our neighbors had a lots, of, lots of dogs and cats. Uh, and, uh, and we didn't have animals at our house. But the neighbors... Their dog, they would let their dogs out to go to the bathroom. They had inside dogs, they'd let them out to go to the bathroom. And often they would come across the line, if you know what I mean, to do their business. And then I would go out to mow the yard. And guess what? So I didn't have a very big yard, and all I had was a push mower. And I got perturbed. And finally, one day, I was out back behind the house, and the neighbor let his dog out. And sure enough, the dog slipped over, and I hollered at the dog. I was letting go some frustration, not realizing that the neighbor man was standing there behind his house as well, and he uh, he was not very happy that I was hollering at his dog someone that is meek is someone that can restrain their speech I did not restrain my speech fourthly this evening as I think about a meek person a meek person is someone who is a humble person Proverbs chapter 13 the 10th verse says this only by pride comes contention. I just want you to ponder that verse here this evening. Only by pride cometh contention. When someone's pride is wounded, the natural response is to quietly resent it. And the result is normally contention. And more times than not, it's often with the tongue. It is said, like I've, I've read this somewhere, remember every time you talk, your mind, it walks right out. This evening, if you are a meek person, your response should be different. When we are treated in a way that carries insult to our proud hearts, we are to bear it with a spirit of meekness by praying for our enemies. When we are reviled, we revile not again. When we are persecuted, we suffer it in meekness, just as our Savior has demonstrated to us when he suffered on the cross, thus heaping coals of fire on their heads, as Romans chapter 12 would tell us. Jesus was our greatest example of a meek person, Matthew chapter twenty one. We read how he overturned the tables. He says, "You turned the house of prayer into a den of of thieves." Yes, I believe he used boldness. And yet, at John chapter thirteen, just having communion last week, Jesus washed Judas's feet. We have that example in Scripture. He was a humble man. Not only was he bold, but he was humble. Jesus stooped to wash Judas's feet. Not only just his disciples, but Judas, the very one that betrayed him. And not only did Jesus stoop to wash his feet, he also gave him a kiss. Oh, our Savior. Knowing that Judas was about to betray him and stabbing him in the back. Jesus opened not his mouth to try and defend himself when he was on trial. They mocked him. They spit on him. They hit him with their hands. Pilate said, don't you realize that I had power to condemn and to release you? And Jesus said, you have no power at all unless it was given to you from above. And we never read in the Bible, we never read in the Scripture that Jesus ever fought back. He never fought back. He was reviled, but he reviled not again. Yes, this evening I believe that meekness is of great price in the sight of God. And I believe it never goes unnoticed. Jesus said, come to me and take my yoke and learn of me. All you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I am meek and I'm lowly in heart. This evening, I wonder if you feel as so though you are a meek person. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you know what, there's an area in my life I know I messed up. You know you have to make something right. Someone maybe that you're struggling to forgive, to let go of. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I don't think I'm going to have an altar call and have you come forward. But in a moment, if you feel like God is speaking to you about an area of your life, I'm gonna ask you to just to, to raise your hand where you're at, but let's pause for a word of prayer before we do that, shall we? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do come before you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you how it speaks to us. Thank you for your example in Scripture of being a meek person. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart here tonight. Lord, if you have spoken to someone, I pray you give them the courage to make things right. And so tonight, with every eye closed, with your head bowed, and in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to ask you, if God is speaking to you in any area of your life, you want to get right with him, something that you want to ask God to help you, go ahead and raise your right hand. God calling you to a closer walk. Someone that you're struggling to forgive. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for your goodness. Thank you for your cleansing blood. Thank you for what you've done on Calvary's cross. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you continue to be with us this week as we come each night seeking you. May you help us to grow, to become more like you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This time I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing a verse of song and then you can consider yourself dismissed. Shall we stand?